Today's episode is brought to you by Grinding Coffee Co., a black LGBTQ plus owned coffee business that donates a portion of every sale to charity. Coffee is imported from around the world and they pride themselves on great customer service for a small team. Use promo code PLP22 for 10% off your order. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here, and we are talking F1. We're, we're, we have just uh, a little bit of news to get to, and then we're going to talk about the new cars this year and, and what we've seen so far, what we what we think of the cars. And obviously, as you're listening to this, testing is on track in Bahrain, so things might change probably after we've recorded this, but some of those changes... I think we already know about, or at least have been hinted to us. So we'll go with that. But first, Frenchie, I don't have a I don't have a trivia question for you. So this is going to be like real on the fly right now. F one trivia. I, okay. This is ultimate F one trivia question. Ooh, it's been updated as of January fifth. So let's see if we get a get a new one here. Okay, the website's not loading. This is what ha- this is what happens when you when you <laughs> don't plan things. Now that one that one's too easy. I forgot. I know I haven't I haven't done it in a while. That. Like this like some of these. All right, this is called the ultimate. You we're we're not going to do trivia because I'm mad at this website. The, the, there's a couple questions here that are are almost too easy. So, which race team has the nickname the Prancing Horse? Yeah, the Ice Man is given to which Finnish Formula One driver? Yeah. Wow, they even give you that. What is the name of the young? All right, let's do this one. I I don't. This one isn't as easy as maybe I first thought. But what is the name of the youngest F one driver to win a race? Um, the youngest to win a race. I think. That it's Vettel, right? Was the youngest to win a race? Verstappen, who won the 2016 Spanish Grand Prix at 18. Oh. It's, it's probably Vettel before that. All right, well, you win. Yeah, it was. It's not often. young. It's not often I, I win a race. trivia, so. Well, I was going to guess Verstappen, but then. For some reason, the way you asked that question made me think, right, like, well, it can't right. be that obvious then. So then I doubted myself and went oh, with it Vettel. Happens. All right. Yeah, you, you know, I'm going with that. Games. Oh, and before we get into news, make sure to go to uh, the GridRival app or GridRival.com. They have an app on both iPhone and Android. We are their featured influencer Formula One F1 Formula One F1, Formula One F1 <laughs> Fantasy League this year. The link is in our link tree. So if you go to our bio on social media and you click the link, you'll be able to go to Grid Rival for the league and also the show and our members only page, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But check it out. We'll post about it more. I think we're up to like 
close to 50 people already signed up in the first 24 hours, which is pretty cool. So, and reminder, last year I was a grid rival F1 champion. Didn't even get a prize, which is kind of disappointing. What do we got for... Have we figured out what our prize might be? No, I might... Yeah, if you don't retain your championship, <laughs> if if I win, I'm going to buy myself a prize. I will. I will come up with a prize yeah. by the summer. Let's let's just say maybe a okay. What's the small diecast size? Like a one sixty fourth. If we can find a one sixty fourth car, yeah, one forty three or one forty three, forty third. Yeah, I'll I'll buy one of those of your choosing if you're the winner, and maybe something else that I can come up with at. That's cool. Yeah, there's always Formula One merch available at the IndyCar races in one of those random trailers. So maybe I'll I'll grab something in there too. Cool, I like it. Yeah, even if you don't know anything about F1 or you're just new to F1, please join the league. It'll be fun. We're we're, I mean, we're gonna take it seriously, but we're not that intense. So yeah, and if you have, have questions and you don't understand what you're doing with the league. There's actually like some help videos right on the app, which are are actually very handy. But also, you can just ask one of us. Yeah, we can walk you through it pretty quickly. Okay, so with that said, the big news of the week before we get into talking about the cars is Nikita Mazepin is officially out Yay. at Haas. And <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, I still do see some people that say they feel bad for him, but I think the majority of folks probably have this reaction similar to, to, to us, so I'll try to keep my bias out of this. But yeah, he's out at Haas, and he has been replaced by Kevin Magnuson. That has been officially announced as well. So we got kind of all the bombshell news to deliver to you on our episode day. We didn't have to wait until the test to see who was driving, and then... Maybe they were going to put Pietro in the car for a few races or not, but Kevin Magnuson is back with Haas, and apparently he's got a multi-year deal. Yeah, you know, money talks. Even when you say, if I go back to F1, it's going to be on a winning team. I'm sure Gene Haas you know, dug in that, that CNC machining that Haas has here and has all that money and said, here you go, here's a couple million bucks a year, come back to F1, and if we suck, you got a big paycheck. Yeah, he he ran away from sports cars real quick to come yeah, back to F one. So literally, <laughs> next weekend is supposed to be, sure. uh, in addition to opening F one race, the Sebring twelve hour, which he was scheduled to race in for Chip Ganassi because the IndyCar guys could no longer race in that. So I guess Chip's looking for another driver again. Potentially, yeah. I mean, well, actually, he has to be. There's no way that Kevin can do both. So definitely. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But upon being released, um, which Mazepin actually said he didn't know was going to happen until the team's announcement, um, he then created this or told us he was going to create this We Compete as One Foundation, which is going to be funded by his father's company, of course, that would basically support athletes who are unable to compete due to war or politics. So it sounds like he's taking his situation and trying to make it into something that people will sympathize about and, you know, 
create a cause around it, even though this is basically something that would selfishly help him yeah, in the long run. You know, run. at a high level, if I was ignorant and didn't know what was going on, I would go, oh, okay, because there, I'm sure there are some athletes who you know, are, are put in a really tough position right now with everything going on in the world, and I do feel for them. However, and I don't know if you mentioned this because I started looking at my other screen here with the the news and when when you like Nikita Mazepin himself is listed in the upcoming sanctions against Russia in addition to his dad and his his dad's yeah. company Urakali so i feel like you know some people are saying oh he's just mentioned the sanctions because it's his dad i feel like there's probably something more going on there if his name is singled out in the sanctions and that's as political as i'm gonna try to get so with that being said i don't feel bad for mazepin i think he got exactly what he should have expected while he may have been trying to play dumb and not pretend this was going to happen we all knew this was going to happen so it's not a shock and I feel for the other athletes, not for him. He's not a good human. Clearly, there's something going on politically with him as well if he's listed in the sanctions. I don't know what, and I'm not going to try to pretend to know what because that's not my area of expertise. But, I mean, if 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 he was surprised by this, he really needs to, well, he needs to have his head examined for many reasons, that being one of them. I'm going to have to look into what type of sanctions the EU is placing on Dmitry Mazepin and Nikita Mazepin. But yeah, I mean, he's as closely connected probably to Putin as anyone could be. There's documented evidence of Dmitry Mazepin being among a group of, I think, 36 other business people that met with Putin the day before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, likely to discuss its impact on business, given that he's one of the lar like most successful businessmen in Russia. So, I mean, he he's in the inner circle there. So I, I really am not surprised that Mazepin is feeling the influence of these sanctions. It's not right. like he's on the periphery here. But his quote about it was that he absolutely does not see F1 as a closed chapter, and he's going to stay in race condition and will, will be ready to take on an opportunity if it comes. And he's at the moment only looking at F1, not other categories. But it sounds like he's also, I mean, they're going to try to take legal action against Haas for breaking the contract with Ural Kali. And then uh, Mazepin also was quoted as saying he doesn't trust Haas to provide him with a safe car and would not drive for the team again in the future, despite considering this legal action. So to me, that sounds like he's saying, no, I quit after being told you're fired. Yeah, I feel like that's the. This is like the episode of The Office when Michael Scott fires the guy from the Connecticut office who wants to quit, and then they have to pay him a severance and benefits and all that stuff. But like the <laughs> yeah. opposite, no, obviously, like that's not ex exactly the case. Yeah. But that's like the the image going in my head right now. I know the Haas car is not good. Hopefully it's a little better this year, but saying that they are not going to provide a safe car is pretty garbage considering every car has to pass, pass a stringent 
you know, crash tests, et cetera, et cetera. There are safety standards that even the worst cars have to pass. So that's kind of, you know, at this point, he's just grasping for straws and, and trying to talk as, as much crap as he can before he's completely shown the door. Also, there is not a single chance he gets anywhere near a competent F1 seat. <laughs> I mean, even if he isn't worried about, let's just pretend his dad is you know just a, a regular Joe and, and not a multi-billionaire connected to one of the most evil men in the world. He's still not getting the seat. He's just not good enough. And unfortunately, that's the, he's just not good enough. And there are guys who are yeah. good enough who also don't get a chance because they don't have the money. He's not good enough and doesn't have money. So uh, I don't know what you're doing, bro, but you might want to start looking at, I don't know, Russian stock cars or whatever, whatever series is <laughs> stuck there. You can have fun <laughs> wheel banging in Russia. Drive a tank. Yeah, I, a lot of no. racing. You know what the Lada is? It's like this Soviet era communist car. I forget where it was built, but it was known for being like one of the biggest piles of crap ever. It just like would fall apart and rust on you. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you 100% on this. He, he wasn't good enough. Take away politics, and I don't really think he deserved the seat anyway. So. Why put up with all the mess that you would have to go through if he's not even really skilled enough to deserve the spot? Put Kevin Magnuson in and you don't have to deal with all the legal and political drama and you get an upgraded driver. And now I think an important thing that I've seen posted around the internet is that we really get a benchmark of how good Mick Schumacher is against True. Kevin Magnuson, True. right? We can kind of tell a little bit more how much the Haas car is affecting his performance, right? Because we have someone who we believe is competent and Kevin Magnuson as his teammate. I dig it. All right. I think that's it for the news. So what we're going to do now, something a little different here with the new F1 cars coming into play, obviously with the Barcelona test and now Bahrain test, everybody's car looks a lot different. We're going to give very brief opinions on what we think of the actual car design. Frenchie and I have tried our hardest to read up on aerodynamic type stuff so we understand kind of what we're talking about at a very, very basic level. And this is something I'm going to do throughout the year is try to learn a little bit more so that you guys can understand even at a basic level. So we'll just alternate through the list here. Just You can just pick whoever you want to talk about. Okay. I'll start since we we're just talking about them. I'll start with Haas. Obviously, the they they are kind of copied from Ferrari with the kind of the, the side pods that kind of bubble out almost. If you look at it from the front or the side, it's definitely a I don't want to say a circle, but a a a, a U shaped kind of side pod out to the side. There, it doesn't have the indent that Ferrari has on top, so. The thing that intrigues me the most about the Haas design is the rear wing, where it looks like the rear wing is is a little bit higher set than some of the other cars. It's almost like semi vertical in in the in the main plane where the where the DRS would open. So I'm intrigued to see if essentially what they're trying to do is have the air go over these side pods, 
off the rear wing and kind of down, which will allow you know more downforce. Also, the big thing with the new F1 cars is ground effects. So what essentially what that is in a very, very quick nutshell is under the car providing the downforce. So under an F1 car, there is all sorts of little fences and arrow pieces on the bottom to keep a, you know, for the, for the downforce purposes. So when the air goes over the back tires and down, that's another way there's there. So that, that air will meet the air from under the car and hopefully provide more downforce. It's a very fine line of providing downforce and pushing air back towards the rear tires from what I've learned today. Other than that, I am a little concerned that the way their front, the the top of their front nose is not quite 90 degrees, but it's definitely got a, a interesting angle when you're looking at it from the front on view, not so much from the side. And yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how these wheel, and this is for a general for any car, these wheel covers at the top on the front wheels, if they're, if they will help or hurt aerodynamic issues right now it doesn't look great for them but again it's only been one test i will then go on to talk about the ferrari since you mentioned that obviously they share some of their components namely the i think they make their own gearbox i believe but they actually share the engine um power unit with ferrari so the ferrari f175 kind of stole everyone's attention with that very unique side pod design that you mentioned before it's almost like a uh, ramp or like a bowl shape um, on on top of the surface of the side pod, which then actually the side pod itself turns upward at the rear, where normally you would visually see kind of a downwash to push the air lower. Um, this kind of the side pod shoots yep. it a little bit upward on the Ferrari. And I focused mainly on the side pods because like you said before, I'm at rear, not necessarily technical geniuses here so i'm just looking at what i can visually see that's different i also think not to cut you off but the side pods are the biggest area where teams have differentiated themselves so it's easy for us to talk about right Mm -hmm. now we can't see under the car yeah no because the front wing exactly and the front wing yeah they all look pretty similar as well as the rear wing. So I think the side pod is where it's pretty different. And then as well with the radiator and the radiator outlets, just based on having different power units. But I think that's pretty much it for the Ferrari. I think it's probably the best looking car on the grid, in my opinion. If I was to rate it out of 10, I think it would probably be a 10. It looks so good. It reminds me of the old Ferraris from it's the early 90s. It's definitely my favorite as well. And I was looking at f1technical.net and... Uh, I don't know if you if you saw this. Maybe I'll put this in my show notes on on Friday when when the episode comes out. The side pods, the way they are, and they're they're obviously much longer in length towards the rear of the car than any other car, and that actually helps reduce dirty air and draggy air from affecting the rear of the car. I'm not going to pretend to explain any more than that because I only found this about 45 minutes ago before we started recording, so. Yeah, it was a cool read. Sticking on the Ferrari theme here. Alfa Romeo's Ferrari, right? 
Okay. I started panicking yeah. as soon as I said that. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll round out the Ferrari trio here with Botas and Guan Yu Zhou. Similar side pods. Like, like the Ferrari, it has the... What do you call that on top where the, the cutout is? Yeah, thank you. The louvers? I, I, I had that word on another screen and I can't find it. So it's it, they're, they've definitely, I don't want to say copied. The side pods are less kind of bubbled, bubbled than the Haas is. The rear wing is definitely a little bit flatter. And I think the biggest difference is the nose of the Alfa Romeo compared to the Haas and you know, kind of comparing like these, what we assume are going to be the backmarker teams is much flatter. So there's not an angle going up to the halo in the front of the car. It's, it's a significantly flatter also because it's a chance to make fun of it. Their red and white wheel covers are hideous. Don't really like don't really like the red and <laughs> the way the red and white is kind of chopped up on the car anyway, but it's not not the worst ever, but it's it's I would say like a Ferrari light design. Very very similar to the Ferrari, but with less of a budget. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. essentially what it is, right? So they're getting technical support from Ferrari. We'll, we'll see how they do, these two teams, maybe at the back of the grid. I guess Ferrari doesn't get that much help from them in terms of developing yeah. the car, if you think about it. If they're supplying these two teams, you don't really have a front runner like Mercedes does uh, in, their, in Aston Martin and McLaren. But let me, I guess, talk about the Alpine, just because it's the outlier, basically. The only one with, the, with that power unit. And... When I looked at the car, it's got a very high leading edge of the underfloor, kind of higher than any other car that I could see at testing yeah. or on their launches. And then it's also got those louvers on the radiator, like the Aston Martin and on the side of the engine cover. But it's kind of the least distinct of all the cars, in my opinion. When I looked at it, it was nothing really stood out to me. It was the most generic. So I don't know if that's because the team has actually stated that they're just trying to shoot for fifth place in the constructors championship. So they didn't really take any big gambles and maybe it's just pretty close to almost a, a show car, right? Or following just the regulations pretty closely. I'm not actually sure. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see, They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 258 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. 
I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. But I, I like delivery on the Alpine. I don't know if I definitely don't like it with BWT as much as I liked just last year with kind of the French colors. But it's a good looking car. And I, I, I'm interested to see how they do because for a works team, They've struggled, and this is their opportunity to kind of come back when everybody's got a clean I think slate. So two things that are interesting. interesting about the Alpine: the side pods slope off and end more quickly than any other car. So that air is it going to bounce back up off the rear tires and cause some drag, or is it going to help that rear edge of the floor kind of stay planted and and you know, direct air kind of back towards the diffuser. So I'm guessing that's their plan. It's just hard, obviously hard to tell from pictures, but also the front radiator cutout, it looks cutouts. It looks like on each side, kind of right, you know, on either side of the driver. I'm curious if how that, I guess that air will get directed through the side pods, maybe provide some engine cooling that's the one thing that kind of stuck out to me. Like, is this a good idea? Because no other team is doing something like that. All right. So I am going to go down to Aston Martin. We'll stick with the, the midfield team here. Aston Martin, probably my favorite livery with the with the green and the, the neon yellow. Hickey's favorite color on the planet. Again, it's got the louvers on the on the side pods. In a different way than the Ferrari, I think there's more of them. Kind of goes back more towards the rear part of the side pod. Their side pods aren't as distinct as almost any car on the grid. They're very kind of just part of the you know engine covering almost. They're, they're not very distinct in any way. So I'm I'm a little worried that they just didn't get creative enough, and I I don't know. Obviously, we don't know, but I don't feel like this is a car that's going to contend to win races this year. And I'm very bummed because I would love to see Vettel back in victory lane. But, oh, they also have a, in a different way, they have cutouts at the front of the side pods for the radiator for cooling purposes. But they're it's more small and square-shaped on either side of the driver there. So uh, I stand corrected on that one. But I don't know. This... The way that rear side pod fades away doesn't really look like it's going to send air back to back to the diffuser area, which doesn't really seem like it would work, but I guess we'll find out. I think the Aston Martin's interesting just for kind of having, it looks like the widest, flattest side pods on the grid. Yeah, right. If you look at it head on or even from the side, it's... Even with the Mercedes engine, which we've seen from the other cars, like the McLaren, which are it's very tightly packaged and kind of what what I've seen described yeah. as a Coke bottle, where it kind of uh, slopes inward. 
that is a spe- I mean, the, the round part of the Aston Martin is especially round and kind of wide. So I'm interested to see how that affects its aerodynamics. Yeah, it's almost like they they went with the Haas approach on the side pods, but didn't like they just kind of were like, well, we don't want to go out too far, and I don't know. It just it. I think their their idea is similar to Haas, but I actually don't like their idea as much as the Haas side pods. So I'm going to cover the McLaren now, which is kind of one of the ones that I was able to glean the most detail from, just based on yeah, for some reason. I think the, the livery helps things stand that out. I was found. Yeah, it definitely seemed like it. So the first thing to note is that the McLaren, along with the Red Bull, have a different suspension set up to all the other cars on the grid. And it has a pull rod front suspension and push rod rear. And the last time we saw this was on... I believe the Ferrari back in 2015, but generally you have a push rod front and pull rod rear suspension. So they went for the opposite basically because it's supposed to better suit the airflow to the leading edge of the floor. Um, and it has more effort, more emphasis on the ground effects, right? As you mentioned, this is, this should be big for giving them downforce. And it it allows you to mount the inboard suspension pieces lower down, giving it okay. a lower center right. of gravity. The other thing I noticed is that it's got a longer, wider engine cover than the other cars, um, like the Aston kind of actually, because the side pods are so much more tapered and it then needs more room for the radiator exits got out it. the back. We'll see. It seemed like the McLaren, based on the testing, didn't have any of the big issues with porpoising. Can, can you explain what porpoising is for those who might be confused by the term on social media that we've seen in the last couple of weeks? Sure. So, as you stated before, downforce is generated with ground effects basically by having these tunnels underneath the car that create a low pressure area and essentially produce suction, sucking the car towards the ground. But if the car gets too close to the ground or even touches the ground, that disrupts that airflow. And so you can see it basically, it'll hit, you know, kind of get lower, lower and hit the ground or get disrupted. And then it'll pop back up because it loses downforce and then it'll kind of right itself. And so that's what we see is almost the the dolphin effect of porpoising. Thank you. All right, I got two more. Let's go with Alpha Tauri. Again, being that they are a Red Bull team, it's kind of like Red Bull light in there. I don't even know how to describe their their side pods here. Very distinct, sloping, skinny sloping down to the rear floor of the car. I see exactly what they're trying to do with the air there. It makes complete sense. They've they they've got a similar nose angle to the Haas car. It's weird I'm talking a lot about Haas this episode, like in a not negative way. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, kind of that downward angle more so than some of the other cars. Yeah, <laughs> so I you really don't have don't. to hate them now that Mazda I mean, gone. I don't want to. <laughs> so, yeah, I, obviously I would say they're, them and, you know, the Red Bull cars, I'm calling AlphaTauri Red Bull here, and Mercedes works team 
have the most distinctive side pod looks. I'm not going to steal your Mercedes Thunder, but oh, I, yeah. you know, they've got the interesting side pod. And then above the side pods, the kind of engine cover has another little, I don't know exactly what you want to call this, a, a little bump out that kind of goes out into, you know, towards the wheel. So it's directing air away from the car and instead of towards the rear wing. So I, I get what they're doing there. It's definitely very different compared to most of the ones we're talking to. And again, for those who want to follow along with what we're looking at, I'll share the BBC link I'm using to reference everything. So I'll just quickly touch on the Red Bull RB18 because you were referencing it there with the AlphaTauri. But Adrian Newey definitely designed what I think are the most aggressively undercut side pods. Um, which basically separates them from yeah. the underfloor when you look at it. And then Red Bull also, the major difference that I saw was that they also have that same you know, opposite suspension set up to everyone else that McLaren does with that push rod rear um, and pull rod front. And they seem to have what looks like a higher nose, probably to maximize airflow to underneath the car, right? To the underfloor. Um, and Adrian Newey is reported to basically be able to see airflow, like with the naked eye. <laughs> so maybe he'd see something that the rest of us yeah. don't understand. So I was reading a little bit about the height of noses on the F1 car, you know, from the from the ground to the to the tip of the nose, and you can only go so low because if it goes lower, the car becomes unstable, and that's where you come into accidents. So a little bit higher of a nose than you might be used to seeing which goes to your point in directing air under the car also makes the car a little bit more stable as well. Yeah. The, I guess the, the big difference between the Red Bull and the Alpha Tower is, is two things. Now I'm, I'm scrolling back up on a somewhat slow loading website. The Alpha Tower side pods are smaller kind of in, in height and, like that second piece of bodywork over the engine cover that goes out towards the rear tires. I do not see something like that, or at least no, I do not see something like that on the Red Bull. So my last car Williams, which I think is the, I guess the most drastic look of new car that we've seen here in terms of, they really have no side pods. Almost, almost not out. Yeah, they pretty much just covered the engine and cut off the car. And uh, now I'm. It's very it different. The same, the, yeah. uh, the other thing is, compared to almost every car, including the Mercedes, the front wing of the Williams looks like it has kind of like a dip towards the middle. You go below the halo, halfway down. I guess right below the number there. It looks like there's a another little kind of u-shaped dip in the wing ever so slightly and i'm wondering what the purpose of that is i guess if air is bouncing off it it's just going to go over the car and hold the car down more is my my best guess but it's very striking to look at compared to every other car and i like it actually i know the livery itself is not particularly yeah, loved by everyone I've talked to, but I, I really like the like car it. design because I like it's it. very different. So we're going to see very quick if they got it right or they, you know, if they need to go back to the woodworking shop. But 
the, the livery itself, I am not a fan <laughs> of. So getting to the Mercedes F1 W13, I'm hesitant to even talk about this car because from what we're yeah. hearing, there are going to be so many massive developmental changes to the vehicle when we see it on track in Bahrain. So I don't want to say anything and then it be refuted immediately when we start watching testing tomorrow. But what I've seen is like what you said, that the Mercedes engine, you're just able to package that thing so tightly that you essentially have no side pods. Yeah. It's super narrow. Um, and I guess, I mean, that's probably an efficient design for airflow, right? The less space you can have, the more efficient it'd be in cutting through the air, hopefully. We'll see. But there's also no slot gap between the nose and the bottom element on the front wing of the Mercedes, which is pretty narrow, the front wing itself. And it's much yep. more rounded than the pointier nose of the Ferrari. Yeah, their side pods are interesting because it's kind of like a a little bubble or a little protrusion off to the side and that's it. And I know, like you said, we've heard they're going to bring drastically new side pods to the Barcelona test, which starts in like five hours from now as we're recording this on Wednesday night here. So I guess we'll find out when you know we both wake up tomorrow morning. But I feel... I feel like Mercedes is either going to hit an absolute home run and smoke the field or it's going to be like a dead heat between let's just say them Red Bull maybe Ferrari pokes their nose in there a little bit more than they have in the last couple of years so I don't know we'll see I, I mean their design is definitely very interesting the other thing I'm looking at the rear of the Mercedes kind of over the Ineos logo where the, the rear f number 44 is on that back little shark fin is there's almost like no rear engine cover. It's like they cut it off very dramatically. And I'm wondering, you know, that'll bring air to the, to the rear wing, the way it's sloped, it'll bring that air right to the rear wing there. Assuming it's, you know, assuming they haven't changed the car because Mercedes and Red Bull will probably have changed everything by the time we post this episode. Anyway, I think that's it. That was fun to play. Yeah, uh, technical. I'm guys, I'm really enjoying reading for a minute, so. the uh, aerodynamic articles on F1 cars. There's some good stuff on the race. I think Autosport has a couple good ones as well. And then, like I've mentioned, F1Technical.net is like a treasure trove of nerdy information, which is super cool. So uh, I guess the other thing I forgot to mention is the floor of the Aston Martin is much sh is shaped in a way that should bring some air to the rear diffuser there. The way it goes kind of up, down, down next to the radiator, and then kind of shoots it up right behind the rear suspension there, which is pretty cool. Again, that's from the race. Cool stuff. We'll try to do more of this. Maybe not every week, but most weeks. Pick some sort of topic so we can educate more there. And well, I mean, learn for ourselves too. But you know, ground effects are the name of the game this year for F1. And I guess kind of F1 going forward. I really like it. I'm excited. Guess what that means? It means next week we get to do season predictions and race predictions for the opening round. 
Hickey will be joining us because we need we need him on to make sweet season long predictions. I'm already starting to work on my predictions a little bit, just a little in advance here. Wow. You're you're starting to I know, I'm not I'm not usually this prepared. But anyway, guys, again, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions about anything we talked about, reach out and let one of us know. I'll try to get somebody maybe more aerodynamically smart or race car smart on one of these weeks so they can help explain this more. Also, racecar-engineering.com is another good website to read some stuff, but they don't put it in very basic terms unless you're a subscriber in the members area. So maybe not the best one, but they've got some cool articles on there and cool designs on there to help help you explain, uh, help you understand things more. And again, make sure to check out our F1 Fantasy League on Grid Rival, and that link is in our social media bio on the link tree. And everybody, have a lovely weekend of testing. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 